think your business is on the right track, don't get too comfortable. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is Supply Chain Brain Podcast. There's nothing especially new about the concept of business reinvention. Companies have been doing it for years, or failing to do so, and therefore failing. Remember Blockbuster? But the idea of reinvention has taken on a new urgency in these uncertain times. Markets and technology are changing so swiftly that any organization that chooses to stand still is virtually ensuring its doom. The average lifetime of a successful company used to be 75 years. Now it's six Today we'll learn just what reinvention means and how it can be realized with my guest Nadia Zekshinbayeva, known as the reinvention guru and a consultant to some of the biggest companies in business today. We'll talk about transforming products, leadership practices, and business models, as well as how to know when you've gone too far with reinvention. Even the most innovative companies need to take a breather now and then. Here's my conversation with Nadia Zekshinbayeva. Nadia Jacksonbayeva, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You are the reinvention guru. Tell me, what does reinvention mean today? Well, that's a such an important question because the most important part of that question is today. What does it mean today? Mm-hmm. So all of us know this word, reinvention. And in the old times, if we think about most of the trajectory of humankind, the last couple of hundred years... Reinvention meant this one-time event that your company goes through or one-time event you as a professional go through and you're done. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime moment of a leap where you come up with a new and better version of yourself, your company, your product. Mm -hmm. Why this is no longer the case is the speed of change. So the research we conduct every two years shows that the average life cycle of a typical company in the 20th century was about 75 years on average, from the beginning to the mature stages to the inevitable decline in terms of bankruptcy or merger and acquisition, on average, 75 years, give or take, Mm. depending on the industry. Today, the average life cycle of a business is six years. So in this speed of change, reinvention cannot be a one-time project. This is a regular exercise. It's not a wedding. It's a lunch. It's not Mm -hmm. something you do just once in a lifetime. It's something you do on a regular basis, the way you take a shower. If you don't take a shower for a while, you begin to stink. Same with your business. (laughs) If you don't take a reinvention shower in your business on a regular basis, your business begins to stink. Yeah. The history books and the newspapers are full of stories about companies that did not see the writing on the wall, that did not shift with the times and thereby fail. But I'm interested in, perhaps you could share with me the story of an interesting transformation, successful transformation or reinvention that you helped to spearhead among one of your clients. Well, I have many, because I love working in many different industries. We've done reinventions of business model. I worked for a long time in mining and 
metals business, spearheading transformation for a publicly traded company out of London Stock Exchange called ENRC. And one of the things we focused on is diversification of portfolio. So when we started, the company was mining ore and producing a range of metals. And today this company is not just in mining metals, it's in alternative energy, it's in logistics, and it has a huge digital business, a venture capital fund with digital, which I'm very proud to see. This kind of diversification protects your business against the volatile environment. So if one part of your business is dying, you always have something else to rely on. Some of the companies that I see that you've helped reach a state of reinvention include IBM and Cisco, two basic poster children for successful reinvention. Both of those companies have pivoted quite dramatically over the years. I guess they would be good examples of what we're talking about here too, wouldn't they? Both of them are amazing. I cannot claim the glory of their most important reinventions. <laughs> I came at the time where they already were very well on their way. I think the most important thing that we are helping companies do is, again, go away from the project perspective. So reinvention 1.0, do one-time project, get external consultants to come up with a new strategy, roll it out, and you are done. Business as usual. The new status quo is achieved. That is not what we're talking about. Our role is to help companies build a system, a process, not a project, a system and a process that allows you to reinvent again and again the way you do accounting on a regular basis or the way you do manufacturing on a regular basis or whatever other, if you're in the service industry, the way you deliver service in a standard operating procedure sense. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about reinvention 2.0. I suppose you would agree with me when we, if we say that the whole philosophy of reinvention must be guided from the top. Obviously, it has to filter down throughout an organization, but it, it depends on a leader, a CEO, who can champion a reinvention initiative. The problem is that you tell me that, like, let's say a company only lasts maybe six years these days. CEOs last even less than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, two or three years maybe is about average for a corporate CEO in this country right now. If you lose the champion of reinvention before the company itself reinvents, do you not stall the process or frustrate the process or make it impossible to go forward? You absolutely do. You do stall the process and you do frustrate the process. That's why we are big, I'm personally big, on not making reinvention a personality, a dependent mm. reality. So mm -hmm. we've done the study, our regular re global reinvention survey goes out every two years, and we completed one in the middle of pandemic in September of 2020. And we asked the executives different things about their commitment to reinvention, and about 63.5% said that they're committed or extremely committed to reinvention in their business. But then we asked them how much resources they're allocating to it, how systematic is their approach, and how efficient they are. And the numbers are completely reversed. They don't allocate resources systematically. They don't have any kind of commitment in terms of financial commitment, time, people, and they're just not putting it into the kind of momentum that reimagine needs to have independently from any one job or anyone's charisma or any one commitment. So once you create a process of reinvention, people can come and go. The process keeps going. And that's mm. why it cannot be in the hands of one person. 
Doesn't, however, the very structure of public companies today work against the whole notion of reinvention? When you're under pressure to show quarterly improvements on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis, whereas a reinvention initiative might cause you to pivot a little bit, might cause uh, the profits of the moment to go down, might cause you to want to undermine the very thing that makes you successful at the moment with a longer view, but your shareholders don't have that longer view. They want that higher return every single quarter. How do you deal with that? I agree with you completely. I think this is a huge problem. The short-mindedness and the obsession with the quarterly forecast, meeting our quarterly forecast, has killed a lot of companies. A lot. Mm -hmm. If you look at the root causes of many things that didn't work, one of them will definitely be the short-term orientation. So some companies are choosing not to play the game anymore. So you saw a few companies, I think Unilever was the first one who announced that they will do quarterly reports, but they no longer will do quarterly forecasts. Because what happens is you announce your forecast at the beginning of the quarter, then you exceed or you fail to meet the forecast and your share price is punished. So yeah. that is the short-term game. And many companies we work with are in negotiation of exiting the forecast in practice to stop playing the roller coaster game with the market. Others, we actually help to leave the market altogether and become private companies again. And others are creating an organizational structure that allows to deal with it specifically, putting a level of independence into their reinvention arm. The most known practice for this, of course, is corporate venture capital funds, where everything that is new, everything that is about renewing your company, rethinking your company is done in a separate legal entity. And therefore, there is a bit of a kind of protection around long-term mm. thinking. I see. Do you also recommend, do you think it's maybe a good idea that every company have kind of an internal skunk works that is actually dedicated to undermining the prevailing business model with an eye toward the long term? I wouldn't say undermining, but <laughs> really taking it on and allowing it to shed all the weight of products and processes that no longer work and come up with a new one. So I'll give you an example of both of the companies I work with. So there's a wonderful company that manufactures a whole bunch of different industrial equipment, mainly heating and cooling called Danfoss. And they have this into a formal process. As you can see, I am a big advocate of process. And this process is called 24 Idea Process. We have a case on that in the most recent book on how exactly they do it. But this is a repeated process on a regular basis throughout the year where the employees pretty much are <laughs> challenging the existing processes and products for 24 hours. They get support in developing their challenge into a viable idea. And at the end of 24 hours, they present it straight to the board, to the executive committee, and get yes or no with a budget and a whole bunch of other perks. And mm -hmm. this was so successful in Danfoss that we introduced it to our other client, Nauf Insulation. You all know Nauf because you're probably using their insulation products in your building. Your house maybe has an insulation product. It's one of the most prestigious insulation producer in the world. And now I've turned it into their regular reinvention days. So they spent a day on attacking and rethinking and dismantling and rebuilding different parts. It could be products, it could be customer service, it could be HR practices, it could be finance practices. The topic is always different. 
but the mm -hmm. process is on the books and everyone dedicates time, resource, money to make sure that we have a legitimate and well-designed and facilitated process for Skankworks. There you go, time, resource, and money. That has to be the key because otherwise it's just giving lip service to the notion of reinvention. Everybody has their little 24 hours coming up with brilliant ideas and maybe the board or the uh, C-suite says, thank you very much. Really appreciate your input, and they just now get back to work. <laughs> In other words, that doesn't happen. You're telling me that actual things come out of this effort. Oh, 100%. So Danfoss mm -hmm. started this experiment first in the field of new product development. And for them, they have a very strong R&D team, really remarkable R&D team. But the average, in terms of KPIs, the average path to patent was for them about 24 months. So it would mm -hmm. take them on average 24 months to get a new patent. At the result of this process, they got their first patent in 100 days, from 24 months to 100 days. Mm. So yes, it works, but as you highlighted, it cannot be a blah, blah session. If there is no process, money, people, time allocated if this is a hobby if this is yeah. a kpi number 237 no it won't work so this mm -hmm. has to become as much of a respected and focused action as your finance action as your marketing and sales action as your manufacturing operations action as your customer experience action and every other key value creating activity if you don't treat it as a key business activity it will not produce any results. Now, what we're talking about here isn't completely new. I don't remember who was the first person to say, if it ain't broke, break it. But it's been many years since we heard that phrase. And so <laughs> the concept of reinvention is not brand new. But what I'm wondering is, is there the possibility, can you take it too far? Can you get to the point where your employees are just experiencing chaos fatigue? They just can't take it anymore. They need a period of consolidation and adjustment before we get on to the next big revolution. Should we be looking out to make sure that we do that as well? Mm -hmm. The concept is definitely not new. I actually don't like inventing new concepts if there are good ones. It's not about just uh, new ideas for the sake of new ideas. It's about results. So mm -hmm. everything we do in the field of reinvention, now it's a global movement. It's not my work only. It's thousands of people who are practicing different types of tools. It's less of let's create something new and it's more of let's align the misaligned efforts because in a typical business, business, people who are responsible for new ideas, that would be R&D, strategy, marketing, they usually are not the people who are beloved and who are the best friends of operations. And then there is people who love the people side of business, which is crucial for reinvention, communications, organizational mm -hmm. development, change management. They usually don't really love numbers and they don't marry very well with numbers. And in the middle of that, there is design thinking, there is Scrum Agile, there is this other innovation field, there's this other camp. And all of these different camps do great work, but they don't like each other and then they don't align with each other. And there's for a lot of inefficiencies follow. So Number one, no need to invent new things. It's more of aligning and reinventing slightly what you already have. But mm -hmm. in terms of the fatigue, in our method, we have this tool called reinvention cycle. We actually dedicate as much time to 
settling down and recovering as we are to reinventing and breaking things up. And both sides of the cycle are reinvention cycle. So yes, half of the time you need to break what's not working, but then the other half, and you need to do it with as much love and dedication, you need to settle things down. You need to turn them into processes. You need to organize. You need to create standard operating procedures. You need to give your people a rest. So one part of a cycle is leading change, but the second part of the cycle is coping with complexity and settling things down. So we advocate heavily scheduling both and giving as much love and attention to both. You alluded to the differences of people and their attitudes and roles, and I think that is also key because I would imagine that not everybody can be naturally good at reinvention. I mean, aren't there different personality types, some people who thrive in such an environment and others who who don't? Isn't that the fact of human nature? This is specifically why we chose the word reinvention versus the word innovation. We actually Mm. had run a set of experiments where we would give people a typical innovation idea. So come up with something brand new. And it creates a very paralyzing effect on people. Uh, We all know the famous now more than 50-year-old law of diffusion of innovation that shows that only about 2.5% of the world are innovators, people who are able to come up with radically new disruptive ideas, 2.5%. The rest of us, myself included, are not in that small, small bracket. But when you reframe the problem in reinvention terms, so you don't need to come up with a brand new idea. Do you have one idea of how slightly improve what's going on? However slightly. You can see that almost all engage in that discussion. Almost everyone has one idea for improvement. Very few people and their nervous system is set up to come up with radically new disruptive let's put a man on the Mars type of idea. And it's Mm -hmm. not that we need that. Most of the what can be improved in the company does not need radical disruption. It sometimes needs incremental improvement. Sometimes it's intermediate, but it doesn't need to be radical. So in that sense, yes, we are not all in love with risk-taking and new ideas, but there is a way to frame the challenge in a way that people can digest. I actually recently wrote an article for Harvard Business Review called Stop Calling It Innovation. And there is a huge discussion around that topic exactly for that reason that you say. People don't like innovation, so don't threaten them. Don't create this fear response in them because that's not Uh very, very natural. Yeah, you just said the word fear. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what it's all about? Our natural aversion to change is really just an expression of fear. And the question is, how do you deal with that and go forward and allay people's fears when they're thinking, well, what if this means my job? What if it means I'm out of the company because I reinvented me out of existence? What if it means I have to learn new skills that I don't want to learn? So you got to deal with fear, don't you? 100%. And many business leaders say, oh, um, we are in business. This is a rational environment. This is not my expertise. This is for CCs or something. The truth is, if your people don't feel a range of emotions, if they're not feeling fear, they're not healthy. Fear is a healthy and normal reaction. If your people are afraid, congratulations, you have a normal team. You have a normal (laughs) workforce. And this is great news. They're not physiologically abnormal. This is excellent. Now, what is fear? The function of fear is focus. Fear is designed by nature so that we can fight 
the enemy or run away from the enemy, the famous fight or flight syndrome. And when our body enters that response, it redistributes blood, quite literally. What it does, it takes away blood from places it's not necessary to survive, such as your brain, and it moves blood into your muscles that are deemed necessary to survive, to kill the animal or to run away from that animal. So in the moment of fear, your employees quite literally are not capable to think because the capillaries in their brain are shrunk. Their blood <laughs> is out of their brain quite literally. The second thing that happens during fear is called auditory exclusion. Your employees are not able to hear you because their brain filters incoming information. And if it's not deemed directly related to survival, it's not registered, called auditory, very well-researched phenomenon. So you're sitting there and you're proposing this amazing idea of this brand new product or this amazing new IT system or whatever else you're proposing. And what's happening for your employees? They are in full panic mode. They cannot think. They cannot hear you. They cannot function. So unless you proactively manage fear the way you manage any other force in your business, you will not go far. And we have plenty of research in scientific community on how to deal with that. We ourselves came up with a very, very simple three-step exercise. If it's helpful, I'm happy to send the PDF. You can include it in the show notes. It's very, very simple. You won't need to log in yeah. or anything. It's a three-step, three-page PDF and it produces magic in every kind of industry or anyone who ever used it. They always shocked how simple that is. Of course, everything you're talking about is directly related to survival, if you can just make people see that. Uh, Nadia, I want to mention your book, The Chief Reinvention Officer Handbook, How to Thrive in Chaos. I'm also going to link to that in the show notes to our episode. But in the meantime, Nadia Jackson-Bayeva, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me about reinvention. A really fascinating conversation. I appreciate your insights. Thanks a lot. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. That was my conversation with Nadia Jackson-Bayeva, the reinvention guru. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well, and see you next time. <laughs>